course, you made it. This is episode 171 of My Corner of the Internet, where I like to call crossover commerce. This is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong Payments is a cross-border payment solution. If you haven't heard of us, we are not a table tennis company. We help people save money by helping them with their fees in terms of paying out suppliers, manufacturers, distributors. If you have employees internationally or you actually want to just pay in a VA, whatever that might be on a business level, that's going to be helpful with ping pong payments. So if you're in the e-com business or if you just e-business in general, we can help you out. Go ahead and sign up for a free account today. By doing so with five clicks, you can actually save $500 with ping pong payments when you're approved with an account. Sending money internationally has never been easier. Go ahead and check out ping pong payments for free today. That being said, again, welcome everyone to Crossover Commerce. This is my end of the week, uh, taking off tomorrow. If you've kind of been with us uh, throughout the week or with the with uh, the podcast, if you will, I'm going to take off tomorrow just to kind of have a little bit of a break with family uh, to to go see some family or just, you know, in general, just to take a day off or two. I think that's important before we get into the busy part of the year, right? Q4 is super busy. We're in the midst of that, but taking a mental day or two never hurt anyone. Just always refresh yourself. But that being said, we're running out this week on a really exciting topic. Um, as as people kind of evolve, there's actually some really cool news in the in the in the payment space always, right? There's always how can people accept more money? I uh, earlier this year, Amazon became very uh, became to adopt a firm, which is obviously a company that you can actually schedule out and make payments over a course of a series of months. Um, that was accepted instead of all up front. There's always this evolving processes in e-commerce on how to make payments happen where business happens, right? That's where fintech is very, very important. That being said, Ping Pong Payments is a fintech company, but as Ping Pong looks to the future and helps evolve payments, so are other different companies. And that can be anything from a B2C level to enterprise level to SaaS level to uh, cloud level. So that being, so what we're going to be talking about today, um, as you alluded to, as we alluded to in the beginning in the intro, the future of enterprise billing. What does that mean? What does it look like? How are, how are payments going to, effectively um, impact the world as we see it today. People ask me all the time, is it crypto? Is it Ethereum? Is it all these different up and coming currencies? Or is it more of just how currency is accepted, right? Because in terms of currency or value, it's in the eye of the beholder. What is of value to different kinds of companies, whether it's um, that localized currency, is it more uh, cryptocurrency? Is it some sort of other value or trade that you're making happen? So we're going to talk about the future. Um, it's, it's always fun to look to where we've been and where we're going, especially here at the end of 2021. So that being said, I wanted to bring on a very special guest today. His name is Akash Kanokar of Octane uh, to talk about the future of enterprise billing. He's a co-founder of Octane, a drop-in metered billing system that gives businesses flexibility to bill how they want. And of course, to go into more detail, want to go how go ahead and bring on our special guest today, a crossover commerce, uh, Akash. Akash, welcome to Crossover Commerce. Let's bring you in there. There you go. Ryan, thanks for having me. How you doing? <laughs> Man, I'm doing well. You're you're in Brooklyn. Uh, it's nice to talk on East Coast time frame because people are not just waking up. They're not going to bed or anything like that. It's just nice to be in the same time zone, somebody virtually. So oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for doing that and making that a priority for me today. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. Excited to talk about the future of billing for sure. Yeah, so that, that that's kind of where I start, right? I, I had this uh, for the introduction to, to kind of figure out what we wanted to do. It's such a broad spectrum, right? Billing is such a 
antiquated term. It can be anything from invoicing. It could be anything from how you accept a credit card. Can you make your payment terms longer, shorter? Can you accept cash? Or how does money transfer from one entity to another? Across the board, that that phrase kind of gives me pause, how you said the future of enterprise billing. So before we get started, what's your background? And we can go ahead and get kicked off on that topic. Yeah, no, happy to. Um, so I came from a software background. Uh, I've, I've worked in the fintech space for a while as over at a big bank um, on their cloud team. So I, I primarily have a, a cloud infrastructure background, you know, as we see the explosion of uh, uh, cloud businesses being created and uh, just the automation of cloud infrastructure. I was uh, you know, I played a significant role in in working with different companies to to realize those shifts in technology. And um, before I started Octane, I actually was uh, I was running a cloud consulting business. And pretty much the premise of what I did was helping different companies set up cloud their cloud infrastructure. Uh, if it meant SaaS businesses, if it meant a fast growing mobile app startups, any anything and everything. I was helping companies build cloud infrastructure, and uh, what what brought me to Octane, and I'm you know I'm happy to also share you know what we do and how the evolutions that we're seeing primarily in the enterprise software space um, is is working you know with working with so many different businesses, we saw a new shift in the way that enterprises were charging customers, acquiring customers, and that was a shift towards consumption-based billing. I mean, we think about, you know, our electricity and it is in fact, you know, we think about metered billing, right? Mm -hmm. Think about how- Like your cell phone or anything like using data. Exactly. And, and really paying, paying for what you use. I mean, when we get when we get in, when we get an Uber, for example, uh, the start, you know, the start, what, what gets calculated for your bill at the end of the day is when you hop into that Uber, the number of miles, time, uh, the surge, uh, there's a lot of uh, factors that play into how Uber ends up charging you at the end of the at the uh, at the end of your ride, and that's another completely different um, use case for, as we say, metered billing. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, what, what we see a big explosion happening in the enterprise software space is a lot of like we see SaaS cloud businesses now, rather than um, traditionally, they wanted to charge on annual subscriptions. I mean, that was a pretty standard thing in the enterprise software world. You're, you'll talk, to, you'll, you'll hit a contact us button on their, on their website. You call a sales rep and they tell you it costs $10,000, $100,000 a year for their software. And you either buy it or, and if you buy it and you hate it, it, it doesn't matter. You've paid $10,000, $100,000. The big shift we're seeing is now there's a move towards more flexible billing where you can charge on usage, uh, getting, you know, like going back to the Uber, like you aren't paying $5,000 a year to have use Uber whenever you're paying for that ride. And that's the transformation we're now seeing in the enterprise software world. Interesting. So with that being said, is there, that, that's a, that's an interesting shift. Like you said, it's not just a flat monthly subscription or like, for example, it, it's more of a Netflix, Netflix based approach in the old ways of, Hey, every month I'm going to get charged this amount, or at a like a scale of you said fifty thousand dollars or whatever that looks like. Um, that's what you're going to get charged at um, with usage, and that and that's how ping pong actually operates too. When you transfer money, it's 
it's when that transfer happens is when the act of that, that service is enacted, right? It's not just a holding fee or it's just like a, a base pay or anything like that. So when that shift comes about, what was that driver? Was it the consumer or was it more of the enterprise itself driving that way just because of, is that easier way to bill people or is it more cost effective? What are all those things that came into play? How that shifted yeah. from one to another? Yeah, what's lovely about usage-based billing is it's a it's a really nice it's a really nice uh, handshake that happens between the end customer and the vendor. So when you think about a usage-based billing model, and, and there's there's massive other trends which I'm happy to talk to you about that are connected to this this one right here, but <clears throat> in a usage-based billing model, <clears throat> a an end customer can start trying out your product. Uh, so the idea of like, I'm going to try this new fun or interesting software and I'm excited to try it. So let me just start using it. And in a usage-based billing model, like I said, you, <clears throat> the vendor is going to start tracking that usage. And as you use more of it, they're going to charge you for it. So um, let's talk about in the cloud infrastructure world, we have this concept of virtual machines. So if I spin up uh, 10 virtual machines in this cloud, let's talk like Amazon Web Services, someone, some, uh, you know, a company everyone's familiar with. I spin up 10 uh, virtual machines uh, on Amazon Web Services, uh, and I, I spin that up for four hours just to experiment, just to try it out. I get charged. Amazon calculates at the end of the, those four hours the bill for, okay, this is, this is how much it costs. Now, it's great for me as the end customer because I didn't pay $10,000 just to... Right. But it's, also, sample. but it's also great for uh, Amazon Web Services because like, they're like, okay, uh, this small user has used this small amount. Now, what happens if I'm like, okay, I'm serious about Amazon Web Service. I want to I add more usage to I, I, I want to make this real, convert my production workloads over there. So now I spin up 100 virtual machines because I need to support my system, for example. And the price ends up being connected to that value that I'm getting. So now I'm charged, what, 25X, what I was when I was just experimenting with it. But now I'm getting legitimate value as an end customer. Um, and AWS doesn't really need to negotiate anything. It's like, okay, you're you're using 25X because we're giving you that value. So it works really well for both the vendor and the end customer. Going back to your, your immediate question, like who started this agenda, I think... Um, I, I think it really is a two, it is a really a two-sided approach. I mean, it just makes sense. So when, with that being said, is there, is this more of an ease of model used to like, is this something where if I, if I'm an e-commerce business or if I'm a e-business in general, and I want to build people, uh, I hear lots of pros in that regards of like, you're going to be able to test it out at that scale of which you need it to. There's no contracts involved. I think I think the phrasing that you mentioned is like there's no contracts. It's just test it. If you like it, you can continue on. If you if you want to continue uh, continue on, obviously you just pay either that that usage fee or that that whatever that those fees incur with that regards. I think that's more of is that more of a like you said that handshake, if you will, of there's no pressure on you to jump in all up front. It's a you like it, it fits your needs. You're, you're going to love it no matter what. Is it just because of that, that trust in the consumer to know what they need instead of you trying to push, like you said, a $50,000 agreement all up front. And if they don't like it, then you're just going to have bad customer service. You're going to have uh, 
that hesitancy to even give it a try, it, it's gonna, it's not gonna push people over that edge. Is that where, that's what I'm hearing from you? Is that also true? Yeah, no, that that is also true. And and w- what you've done is you're actually touching on a really big trend that's now happening across the software as a service uh, industry, which is uh, this trend called product led growth. Uh, I don't know, have you ever heard of this? Um, I've heard of it, but why not, for the listener out there, I'm um, trying to understand more. Yeah. Break it down. So there's this new trend happening in the software as a service space. It's called product-led growth. And uh, how, how this works is essentially um, building, uh, building a revenue channel uh, squarely based on the actual value of the product. <clears throat> Build an amazing product that people onboard onto and start to use and consume more and more of um, to, as a methods of increasing your revenue. So, um, yeah, like going back to the AWS example, just the more you use AWS, okay, use their compute, then you use their storage service, then you use their machine learning service. You start to consume more and more of that, 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 uh, that business, hence your bill gets bigger. And that's your, that's the way you're growing your business as opposed to, we think about traditionally it's okay. Uh, I would, you know, I'm selling you my software for $10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars this year. Uh, let, let's just say $100,000. Then, okay, the end of the 12 months is up. Let's renegotiate. Okay, $150,000. You know, and next, the year after that, okay, let's re- renegotiate again. Oh, you need less of it? Okay, $50,000. So it's like, sorry, I think you're on mute. I did that on purpose. That's what I always get. I'm sorry. Uh, when I drink, when I take a drink, I don't want to hear people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having having coffee in their in their ears. Uh, but yeah, when so it's more like a I agree with that because I think it's for personal companies that I've been a part of in the past, it's always a hey, this is the contract we're gonna do. They either give you that usage amount up front and say, Hey, if you based upon what you're theoretically gonna use, this is what the contract is. But in that theoretical world, you don't actually know if that's all you're gonna use, right? It's in theory if you're using bare minimum, hey, this is what we're doing at that juncture but then that's the pricing you're negotiating and then there's all these kickers like those overage charges or anything like that when you go to like an at&t or like a, I, I go to cell phone and i know you go to uber cell phone uh cell phone users companies if you make an international call or something that's not a quote part of your monthly plan you go over that theoretical amount you're going to either get an upcharge or a surcharge fee because it wasn't expected and they're going to pay that premium to either onboard you or put that onto your account or they're just going to make you continue to go up and up and up. But that, again, comes with cost and things like that. And that's so hard to fathom as a new business owner, right? Because you don't, you don't actually know the, the scale of which, the bandwidth of which you, are, you that company, or you, the personal person that's using this, are going to use it. So that's very difficult to use. But at that ease of many, as much as I need it, that's what I'm going to pay for. I think that's so simplistic in that thought process. Yeah, and, you know, I mean... You can slice and dice this thing however you want. Like you said, you could do month-to-month subscriptions with overages. Sure. You could do just pure pay-as-you-go usage. Um, we've seen companies do okay. Uh, you actually, you know, the large, the large enterprise many times want to do annual commitments when they buy other enterprise software, and that's fine too, uh, as long as you can actually package that annual commitment deal into some usage. So it's 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 really, um, yeah, it's it, it really can fit in a lot of different places. Okay. So uh, taking that model and moving forward, 
who's benefiting from this? Is it the consumer? Is it the company? Who, who's benefiting with this shift in um, how things are structured this way? I think if if it's a really well in an, in a in a perfect world, both the customer and the vendor are both benefiting almost at an equal equally at, equally across the all the dimensions. Mm-hmm. If you think about the world today, there's a real there's likely in many many scenarios very very big disconnects in the customer value to how much they're spending. So on one side of the spectrum, a customer isn't spending nearly enough money for the product, but they're getting tremendous value. And then there's another side of the, which, which is, I mean, great for the customer. The customer's never going to leave, but the vendors is losing, is leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, and then there's another side of the spectrum, which is the customer, um, it, the customer isn't using the software at all, but getting charged a lot of money by the vendor. And what you're going to eventually, and that's like what we think like you, okay, you do a hundred thousand dollar annual commit and you only use like uh, barely any of it. It's like, you know, doing an annual gym membership and never showing up, you know, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to leave a sour taste in the customer's mouth and they are eventually going to leave. So, so these, you know, these, these are the two sides of the spectrum. So in a perfect world, uh, as the customer uses more of the software, they pay for they pay for that value. And if the vendor priced it priced appropriately, I mean, obviously this goes back. This comes back to actually how do you price your software effectively to actually make sure that there is that there is that line that happens right. There's a proportional. Uh, it's just proportional customer value to uh, spend. Uh, assuming that you, the vendor prices this properly at all stages of you using this product there's a pretty equal handshake of customer value to spend. If, as an ERP or someone who's on the enterprise side of things, is that as a company on the company side of things, instead of that's offering the service, is that harder to predict how much you're going to make on a month to month revenue wise um, in theory, because um, obviously if you, if you're, there's not that consistency, you don't know what that base level is. Is that, is that, the difficult nature that's the con if you will of this sort of model yeah uh yeah that so that is certainly i mean usage-based billing is is it can be very it can be highly variable um it can you know it can it can fluctuate and even for, from an, both the consumer and an enterprise they might they might not love they might not love that they, because every month they're gonna it's gonna be non-obvious what your bill is but um there's a lot of great tooling coming out and I mean, get, you know, get octane.io. What we do is, is, is helping, helping businesses facilitate these types of problems, but bringing more certainty into the variability of your use of your usage based billing is, is, um, is a way to actually solve this problem. Correct. If, yes. if you can at least project into the future, okay, I understand what my spend will look like in out into the year. I can expend. I I can um I can understand on a month to month basis. This is what expected spend is. Um, then we 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 ha- the customer is going to be less frustrated. If if me as a customer, if I know at the end of the month what my bill is going to look like, or I have a pretty good understanding, um, and the vendor helps me make that understand, helps me understand that, I'm not going to be as frustrated. Um, and similarly for the vendor, if the vendor knows how much this customer is going to end up uh, spending based on, you know, h- however they want to actually do those projections, then 
It's more yeah. like a velocity problem, right? You can say like, for example, I, I would get a bill or I get an email notification for a certain service that I'm using in terms of um, utility, right? They're saying, hey, you're halfway there um, through the month. This is at the velocity of what you're using XYZ. You are going to be, this is what you're currently at. This is where you're projected to be at the end of the day. So if my wife sees it and she's like, that's not happening, that's too high of a bill, we're going to throttle down whatever that uh, utility yeah. is, right? And so you're going to kind of frame back, almost have that complete control over the matter. Or if that's just helping you kind of predictively go forward, is that more what Octane is doing, that predictive analysis of based upon rate and velocity of which you're using service XYZ? Yeah, I mean, we have a, a lot of advanced stuff under the hood there beyond that. But uh, I, I was the dummy, like for the dummies out there like myself, that I, I that's the example. But yeah, but, but yeah more, <laughs> more, more or less what we want to help, what we want to help here with is the reporting. Um, so obviously, if, if you're if you're using any utility, getting good reporting on how you're using it, even on a day by day basis, you're going to be a, a happier customer. Versus if you wait till 30 days, end of the month, and you get your bill and you're in shock. So, uh, to, so yeah, uh, go, going back to, to solve that variability problem, just good reporting uh, and understanding what your spend might look like into the end of the month is what you want. Gotcha. So I, I'm curious um, to Akash, who in this industry is doing a fantastic job with this? Well, we can call them out by company or name or if there's an a sector of this uh, a business industry that is doing a really good job at this, uh, the future and kind of like ebbing with the customers and the needs in this regards. And who's not doing such a great job? Like they could actually use a lot of help and catch up in that regard. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pretty significant IPOs that have happened recently uh, of companies that are doing a remarkable job. And and they, they, um, they, say, uh, they say part of that success was because of their shift to the usage-based billing model. A specific, a specific example of a company that's doing a really good job is, and maybe you've heard of it, Snowflake. Yeah. Um, so Snowflake. They, 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 they do the, yeah, go ahead. For people who don't know what Snowflake is, why don't you? Um, yeah, they're a, a BI database tool. And um, yeah, they're pretty much a data warehouse tool. And um, they, yeah, they've, they've done a fantastic job of, of pushing forward the usage-based billing model. And um, and a big part of it is because what they're seeing, I mean, and you, you look at when they IPO'd and they've just been doing really well and their growth has been tremendous. It's because, well, they've done a usage-based billing model and uh, month over month, the growth on their customers has, the spend, the, the customer spend has been increasing. Um, and... And it's because they love the product, so they use more of the product. <laughs> uh, and um, that, yeah, I mean that—that's that's really it. What about um, maybe like that? If you, as a consultant, or if you had to come in and, and really clean up a company, and you said, you know, you you can certainly create lift. And again, maybe this is the selling functionality of Octane. But if you, had, as a consultant, came in and you could shake up any sort of company, service, software, whatever it might be, because you know for a fact that they would just incrementally grow if they switched up their billing system. Is there one in mind or can you see like they're almost like at a, at a rate, I won't call it archaic, but they're they're behind in the times. Is this where a lot of people can create that in, instantaneous lift? Like you said, their, their growth for Snowflake is just phenomenal. Why wouldn't more people or businesses look to that and adopt it even 
quicker or sooner? Is it just because of the nature of which they're in and which their services or their products or whatever that might be? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, uh, you, it's, it's, it's like, is this a one fit? Is this a size one, uh, one size fits all fix, or is this something that you're going to have to get even more customized, more, um, in the weeds of it to understand like how you can effectively help them manage their customer? Because not everyone's created equally in terms of customer, a customer for a subscription-based model might be perfect for like I say, the Netflix or but a usage-based model for like Uber makes more sense. You're not just paying a flat fee of every time I get in a car, it's 35 bucks. No one would do that if it's just a couple blocks away. So it makes sense for different services, right? It's not just a one size fits all. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I'm not here to subscribe. I'm not here to say that every single company should now move to a usage-based billing model. Sure. Uh, and and I, you know, I, I think you identified some good examples. I, I think Netflix, I think people are fairly happy with, being able to take Netflix on uh, unlimited, yeah. If we were paying pay pays you go on Netflix, we'd probably all have pretty significant. Uh, I would, I'd be screwed. <laughs> so it's not, um, it's not a, a one size fits all. Um, I think you know we're primarily uh, at Octane. We're primarily focused in the B two B SaaS space, um, and we're it's fairly consistent. I mean, out of 10 companies we talk to, most of them will say, yes, we uh, we do need to offer usage-based billing to our customers. We don't currently, um, or we have it, and it's it's fairly uh, it's 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 fairly rough draft and doesn't work super well. Um, so we see it in the at least in the enterprise software, the B2B SaaS space, which is you know a smaller subsection of everything else, but uh, it is commonly needed, um, uh, and the big the big reason for it is because I think the shift that's happening now is is not more like you only offer pay as you go or usage based billing and that's all you do. I think the shift that's happening is you need to just have a more expanded set of offerings. So um, you just need to be you need to be able to bill more flexibly. So like. And the reason that's happening, that trend is happening, is because competition is becoming a lot greater. There's just a lot more software companies competing along the same dimensions. So to, to win in that market, you need to have the most flexible billing offering. And if we think about it, even in a, it, it would be really, and like, I don't know the truth of this, but it's, you know, I think it's worth it to uh, talk about specifically a gym. I think... I know it's pretty classic the the annual membership, but if they if if you had a gym that could come to you and say, "Look, our pricing is transparent. Um, everyone, you know, everyone knows what our pricing is. We're not going one by one and saying different prices." Uh, you have a couple of options. You could buy the for the year, and you get a discount. You could buy by the month; it'll be slightly more, but you know you're you're going by the month, or you could pay by usage, which is obviously even more than that which means right. you pay by the hour. And uh, I, as you can imagine, and again, I, I haven't proven this out by, I, I don't know if any gyms are doing this. I like but, the theory. I like the theory behind that. But in theory, you know, that's really what we're seeing in the enterprise software space. It's, it's like an enterprise software company is like, look, you can buy my product for the entire year at a significant discount, or you could buy it month to month at a slightly less discount or, you know, pay by, pay by the, 
button click. <laughs> right. I was going to say, so for example, you have like a, a plan of fitness for um, everyone knows if you have that, you have like a key card or something that you swipe in to get into the building. You, every time you swipe to come in or you swipe to start a machine or like use something like that, not clock, but every day that you're using uh, you, there's that like, boom, there's a $5 charger, $3 charger, whatever it is at that rate. And then you can build that. But if there's a month that you're just so busy, obviously you're not getting billed. And that feels like a win, almost like it's working for you. On the flip side, that that's kind of where I keep going back to it. As a company, that's so hard to predict for when, if you subscribe for like a, a membership or whatnot, like you said, it, it's up to the consumer to choose. And that's important as a business. It's hard to dictate. I hope they come in a couple more times this month so we can get to that minimum threshold of that consumer acquisite, uh, consumer cost. Um, but that's really hard to predict. It feels like um, almost like too many options if it potentially, I, a lot of things are coming around. That's why I sound like I'm babbling or mumbling, but is it, is it almost, could that be a negative? Like you can almost lose money if you predict, uh, if you don't predictively offer the right solutions for customers, or is it probably going to be if, in the case of like an Octane, you can actually create and get more customers in that regards and incentivize people that way of, hey, because you have options, now you don't have to worry about being overcharged or undercharged. You're just a customer. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 a good question. I think the answer is, um, I think the answer is, well, is, competi is competition ultimately. So if you're selling to the entire, if you're selling to the entire internet and you have another four different companies also selling to the entire internet, like it doesn't matter. And they offer usage-based billing model and you don't, you're going to lose, you're going to lose to them. So um, that, I mean, that that's what you really need to debate in that, in that scenario. Almost choice has become the number one component of, if I don't have a choice, that instant becomes either a negative or positive, depending on who you are. It's a negative if you are another business owner or consumer that there is an option out there where I can choose uh, that, that kind of level. But then as a business owner, if other people are offering it and I don't offer that, you're saying like you can lose out on just actual competition. So that's become almost the number one quote unquote need or necessity or want from a consumable standpoint. That's what your thoughts are. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, we had a question come in. I'm going to decipher this too uh, for Brennan. Uh, I won't throw it up there because uh, I'm going to decipher it. What would you say if it was, uh, if you're a franchisee? So for example, if I'm, uh, if I'm a franchisee, and again, I don't know all the details of, I'm not a franchise owner, um, but it's a flat rate you're paying per year um, to use the brand, the logo, the services. This scalable, what, what is, uh, what, what would that be entailed? Does that usage-based model apply to that? Do you think of, Hey, this this company is or this locale is crushing it. Therefore, we should make more money theoretically from our billing system. And if it's a another franchise location that may not be doing so much, maybe it scales in that that direction. Of it, again, it's based upon annual revenue, sales, whatnot that walk through the door instead of a flat franchise fee. Yeah, I mean, we have customers that um, um, that do this you the success the usage base is like revenue percentage and uh that's i mean that's very common 
uh, that's very common. And we see that. I mean, we also see that in the payments in the payment space, right? I mean, in terms of how you bill end customers, sure. you're saying, okay, like we're 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 getting paid out based on the percentage of revenue bring it you bring in, you know, and that's um, like no no matter what. Or, or let's say, yeah, your franchise owner, you're say Burger King, you're say, okay, so for every Burger King, like every Burger King, we take a certain percentage cut of this. Uh, of this, whatever the revenue that this restaurant opens, this restaurant makes. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's almost like a commission of sorts. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's for that, exactly. It's essentially a commission versus, okay. Flat fees. Right. I mean, with the, you open up that, that Burger King and well, if the flat fee is just too significant, I can't even open up the Burger King, you know, that, that Burger King will never, ever get opened up because the flat fees would just be too hard. The, the friction, the upfront friction is too great. But if there was that revenue share component to it, like, okay, uh, as my revenue grows, I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you that, I'm going to pay you a portion of that revenue. I actually can start my Burger King finally. You know, I could start this new Burger King. I could start five Burger Kings because I don't have that. Um, obviously, the, the reality of this example is just, you know, we're, I guess we're speaking. Right. We're, we're uh, hypothetical. Yeah, these are in hypotheticals that the reality is, I, for Burger King, I'm not sure. We're not CEOs of yeah. We're not CEOs of Burger King or anything like that. Well, I would also think too, like the negative side. I, I'm gonna be devil's advocate always in these kinds of conversations, the theoretics of, and then I think that the base model is just operation cost, and then just what it would take to either open it in general, and that's probably based upon the retail location of like the land or the the building operations or whatever that's baked in i'm not really even sure what the revenue stream is going towards it, again it would be going towards corporate the rest of it is owned by the franchisee or that's what they earn out but in terms of like just the base model of them using that service you would think they would be, want to have your product almost offered it isn't almost like this deterrent of so that like you said now i can open five burger kings everywhere i look is there's a burger king to a point you don't want your product to flood the market it just to be absolutely everywhere and it, it'd be just like overwhelming to a component like almost like a starbucks model like everywhere you turn that on it's on a corner it almost would feel like that that is the 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 base fee or they are based on that model because anyone can open up a starbucks they always want coffee they can do that based upon like how many people are walking through that door but there, there's there's no like uh if I'm Burger King corporate or it, it's hard to think too, because the, there's so much that goes into that franchisee model. I would think that there would have to be like just a basis cost of know what to expect instead of, uh, Hey, I'm going to open up in the middle of nowhere. If I have 10 customers a day, that's great. If I have 500 customers a day, that's, that's completely different. Like that's where the, that's where the model goes. But at, at the end of the day, you're still making money off those people. So it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, how much is too much or do you need to have some sort of base as well as an earning percentage that's on top of that? Yeah. I mean, and you, 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 you could slice and I mean, you can slice and dice this and that's the point you can slice and dice this thing. However, um, and it might, it might just be flat fees or it might be like you said, flat fees plus traffic plus, <laughs> plus revenue percentage. Um, it could, it could be so many different things. There's right. Well, and those are physical, tangible products. I, I know you guys special at Octane. You guys special yeah, this, more. And like, yeah, yeah ex exactly. And like when you, when you think about it, you you think about it going back to the gym, the gym membership idea. I mean, like the fact that it's a physical location, uh, and a gym is about the people around you. It might never even make 
competition is different. When we're thinking about competition for a gym, it's about the other gyms in that location, mm -hmm. as opposed to enterprise software where it's completely global. So um, there's different, you know, there's different criteria there. There's different problems. So especially in the repeat business model of you're not going to eat, you hope <laughs> you're not going to be eating a Burger King every single day. The repeat business model is almost the it goes into the acquisition cost of like how often can I get this person through the door by knowing that they're not going to be doing that every day when it's a software-based solution that you might be using for your business or just in terms of like operating for customers on your level that they're going to be using that service or software continuously, like a cell phone or um, but there's not a day off or a time off. All those things kind of make more sense in term, instead of a usage-based model of you know physical tangible products where you can't just consume it every single moment of every single day. It'd be impossible. So with that being said, where's kind of the future, if it's pointing in this direction, where does it continue to grow and evolve? How does that, how does that look for businesses? If I'm a software owner right now listening to this, or if I'm a, a business owner, entrepreneur, e-business owner, what does that look for? What should I look for in the future in that regards? Yeah, so we are definitely going to see, uh, I mean, in the shorter term, and I mean, in the next two, three years, we're going to see a pretty significant movement towards a lot of enterprise softwares just moving to usage-based billing. There's going to be organizational changes that happens because of that. Um, it's more about the product selling itself than a salesperson coming in saying, buy my thing, buy my thing. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of just organizational, there's going to be a lot more focus on customer success than there is going to be in like pure sales. I mean, I think there's we're going to just see a lot of changes there. Um, and it's, and it's more about just building an incredible product that people love and continue to grow and use that's in the next two to three years. I think beyond that, we're going to just see really advanced billing option, billing capabilities, like saying based on time. And again, this is, this is not across the board. Every single, uh, every single, um, uh, company can leverage this, but like surge pricing, I, I'm sure that surge price, the concept of, you know, we think about the Uber surge pricing. I'm sure that there's going to be aspects of that in any, in any product, um, in any enterprise software, um, or, uh, so when I say surge pricing, I mean the fact of like maybe certain hours or times things might be cheaper, um, versus other times. And, um, almost like a seasonality or yes, something like that. For example, yes, yeah, seasonality could be uh, could be part of it. Um, it really depends. It really depends on the product, but um, I think we're just going to see a lot more advanced capabilities from a billing and pricing perspective. Yeah, for, for an international commerce, because that's where we dabble in international payments. Is there is there some sort of thought around that model too? Of obviously. Currency fluctuations go up and down constantly, but if you're trying to do something on an international scale, and the reason I ask this is because international commerce uh, it represented about 20% of business uh, last year in the e-commerce space. So that means if somebody was buying your product, 20% of your customers are coming from a different location, okay. different country, different like, and that's globally. Um, is that is that something where this model kind of fits into that as well of more of like a currency because country to country, there's all these different regulations requirements in that regards. But then also you have the un, 
this is a dark hole to get down, but you have the, you know, you have the blockchain of, uh, you know, a fintech of cryptocurrency and things like that, where it's not regulated by one country centric thing. And it's hard to predictively say what the value is on that. Is there anything in that you're seeing in the future, Akash, about in the regard around either blockchain, cryptocurrency or international currencies? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, at least in the enterprise software space, I'm not seeing too much about that. Obviously, from an international payments perspective, there's obvious, there's always the conversations around regulation and, you know, rules and regulations there. Um, but in, specifically in regards to crypto, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not seeing too much, uh, you know, I, I just don't know too much about it, to be honest. No, you're fine. Because, I, mean, I mean, we mentioned in our pre-show, like, with PayPal being accepted, accepting cryptocurrency, um, you look at companies like uh, Tesla, they're accepting Bitcoin for a while. All those kinds of transactions happen on a consumer to business level, but business to business, I've, I've always told people this, it's really hard to understand the regulatory aspects of one company can value something so highly, yet another one can completely just shoot it down. Does that make sense of, they don't see the value, they don't see the doesn't make sense to them as a business to either operate to hold to uh can can um you know exchange that sort of currency their goods for that service or that um currency just because of if it goes away it goes away and then you're out that valuation of whatever that that currency is at that juncture so it's it's hard to say that in regards of globalized or what is accepted across the board um and what that value kind of dictates in that regard so is software where we're going to see much of the innovation in this regard, or is it going to be more of a service to service, a business services that are going to really drive the, the needle? Who, who's going to be driving this like innovation moving forward that you think, if it's not you guys, I'm assuming it's going to be you guys, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I what I do see a lot of times now is that just the, there's software companies that are coming up that are making it really easy for, well, one to just accept so many different forms of payment and that that interface is becoming available to enterprise software. So um, what we're seeing is like, OK, buyers, maybe they want to pay for something with crypto. And then now there's a gateway that can support that that handshake between the buyer and the seller. And um, yeah, I think it it goes back and I keep bringing this up, but it goes back to flex flexibility. Um, there's just going to be, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of, a lot of options as consumers, um, to buy things, how we want to buy things, um, when we want to buy things. I mean, you know, we talked about like a firm and how you can actually even pay for things that, um, that, that's, that's, that's really what the big change that we're seeing in this, in the, in the FinTech space, you could buy things wherever with, <laughs> with, with how, however you want however you want to do it. Um, and it's super easy. Uh, startups like, um, you know, software, you know, software companies uh, like Octane, we're, we're facilitating that experience, you know, that flexibility. That's, that's really what it, that that's really what it is. And that's where the value is, I think for sure. So that being said uh, with Octane, like, what are you excited about moving forward? Like as, as the company evolves into Q4 and 2022 and beyond, What's kind of that exciting nature for the company that you are developing and your team are developing um, and helping people create that flexibility for themselves? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we're 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 creating. We're excited to partner with companies and create create just new revenue potential for software business. I, I really feel like every customer we onboard, it's it's they're like business. They're like business partners. I mean, we're we're helping them create new billing models to charge their customers and and do that in a reliable way. I mean, that's a pretty amazing experience that I get to, you know, our team gets to have every day. And our objective is to find find new ways and more ways to make them, you know, make them even more profitable. And and um, we have some interesting ideas on how we hope to do that. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean, that's what we're pretty excited about. <clears throat> amazing. Well, hey, thanks for coming on today. I'm um, spending some time just like educating our audience. Uh, lots of people are tuned in for the whole time. So I know what we were talking about is fascinating just in terms of that regards. But if people want to learn more information, connect with you. How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, email me directly at uh, AK, <clears throat> A-K-A-S-H, Akash, at getoctane.io. Um, you know, happy to field any questions, um, have a conversation, yeah. Yeah, we'll put it in the comment section too so then people can... Uh, obviously for the website uh, where they're where they can go to it's goodoctane.io and people can check that out. So if you're interested to learn more, talk with Cash and his team, go ahead and uh, do that and reach out to him via email as well. Hey, thanks so much for hopping on crossover commerce today, just talking through. Now, I know a lot of it's theoretics, and you and I, you know, kind of see see that in a very similar light. I always like to push buttons and see it, it, does this pertain this industry pertain to this industry how it overlaps how can we keep it separate is it more going to be overlapping just even more so I, I think that's what's exciting about the future of development innovation and companies like Curious who are just making it more uh, viable people have options and options are a good thing in a lot of terms unless you are a very indecisive person so that being said thanks for uh, building out that and hopping on crossover commerce today cash. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And again, everyone, thank you so much for hopping on another episode of Crossover Commerce. Again, just so much information to kind of dive into. I, I, I sit here and think to myself constantly when I'm just listening and learning from people like Akash and his team of just the simplistic nature of when you have choices, that's a good thing. And innovation comes from making those choices uh, easier and easier for businesses and companies and consumers to um, to use. So with that being said, I want to thank everyone who's listening to this or who are watching today live on um, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. Again, this is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Uh, you can check out and sign up for a free account with Ping Pong Payments uh, today. Uh, you can do that by checking out the link in the show notes or the comment section below. That being said, we'll catch you guys next week on another episode, another series of episodes of Crossover Commerce. But until then, make sure you guys all take care. We'll see you then.